Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Dirty Talk. Today we're going to be talking about rape culture um, and we have a very special guest here with us today, Lindsay, the Community Education Program Director at um, the Sexual Assault Resource Center in Oregon. Also, as a note, um, Vivian and Sophia aren't here today because they're both off on various vacations. So it's just me, Arna, and Lindsay for this episode. But Viv and Sophia will be back for the rest. And so I'm just going to kind of allow Lindsay to like um, introduce himself and just do a little check-in. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. My name is uh, Lindsay Spaulding. Uh, I use he, him pronouns. And um, as Arna said, I'm uh, the community education kind of person over at uh, SARC or the Sexual Assault Resource Center, uh, which is located in Beaverton. But we serve a lot of different areas as well um, with our services supporting folks who have experienced uh, sexual violence. Um, but not only do we do that, we also do prevention and education in the community as well. Yeah, and do you want to do like a little check-in on like how you're doing currently and what's up with you? Yeah, well, um, I mean, the holidays are coming up, which can be good and also really stressful. And so trying to practice self-compassion when I'm getting overwhelmed has been my thing lately. So uh, feeling a little bit of that. Um but I'm excited. I'm excited for the kind of like break that you sort of get, you know, with the holidays um, and how everything slows down. And then on top of that, we've been getting snow. I don't know if you saw that the other day. Uh, yeah, like, a, like a little sprinkling. I It didn't stick much, though, I don't think. No, no. But it was nice. It was yes. nice to get it. Yes, definitely. Well, that's good to hear. Um, once again, I'm Arna. She, her pronouns. Um, I'm doing pretty good. I'm today marks like... Well, yesterday marked exactly a month till I move into my NYU dorm. So I'm going to be going to NYU very, very soon. So super excited about that. That's all, pretty much like all I can think about since it's so close. And I'm like kind of starting to like, you know, tie up those loose ends, like make multiple doctor's appointments and like figure out what I need to pack and stuff. Cause it's like less than a month away now. Cause I leave two days before my move in date. Um, so yeah, super excited for that. And it's winter break. So it's nice to see all of my friends who have come back. So, um, you know, just like nice to catch up with everyone. So I've been pretty good overall. Um, and yeah, so today we're going to, like I mentioned, we're going to be talking about rape culture. Um, this will probably be a shorter episode just as there's not as many like people speaking since Viv and Sophia aren't here. But today we're just going to kind of be talking about like what exactly is rape culture? How does rape culture manifest in our society? Kind of like the stigma surrounding it. How does rape culture like affect different identities? And just like how can we dismantle rape culture in our daily lives? And like what are some steps we can take? So yeah, we're just going to get started with that. Um, Lindsay, do you want to kind of like start off with like defining rape culture? I, you know, since you're the education director, maybe like SARC has some wording and language around it. So if you could start off with just some, you know, talking about that. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. So um, I think rape culture is one of those terms that people hear a lot and don't have a definition for. And I think it's because it, in, in many ways, it's so simplistic that we just don't even realize it. And so um, rape culture is really just a culture, whether that's um, a larger society, like maybe our society in the United States, or it's like um, a culture like your workplace culture or school culture, um, a culture where sexual violence is seen as permissible or tolerated. 
um, or even encouraged at some points, um, right? So this can look a lot of different ways, but um, I think really in its most simplest term, it's just if your culture is cool with rape happening, that is a rape culture. Or if it sends signals, even if they are indirect signals, to say that sexual violence is okay to do or even encouraged. Um, that would be my, kind of my basic definition of it. Yeah, definitely. And just to kind of add on to that, I feel like a lot of it is also like the victim blaming of it all, where it's like, you know, like rape, rape and sexual violence is normalized. And it's like, you know, like Lindsay mentioned, made to be like permissible. And also there's this like very heavy element of victim blaming as to like, you know, like it's all like it's you somehow made it happen, which of course Mm -hmm. is false. Um, And so I think that that's like one of the very like main ways that it manifests in our society. Um, Especially like, you know, a lot of times we see the narrative of like, what were you wearing? Where were you? How late was it? You know, and it's like, there's Mm -hmm. even like court, like court um, transcripts, like when, you know, like, like survivors of sexual violence are being questioned. I hate or like, you know, just like kind of like interviewed in court questions like, what were you wearing? Were you out late? Were you at a party? Were you like at a club? Things that like they twist to kind of make it seem like it's the fault of the survivor when in fact, it has nothing to do with it. Um, so, you know, it's like just thinking about that is super important. We see that every time when there's like a rape case that's blown up in the media, there's always a conversation about what the survivor was wearing. Always, you know, mm-hmm. there's obviously like a conversation from like both sides. So there's people saying, okay, look at this. She was wearing like a sweater and jeans. This proves that like clothing does not matter when it comes to rape. Or there's sides were like, well, she was out at like 1 a.m. And she was like wearing this mini dress or stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. I think it's like that conversation around just like the behavior of the survivors, which kind of like focuses like the reason of the rape on the survivors when in fact it's the perpetrator who should we who we should be focusing on and how they were like led up you know to this point how they kind of took this did this thing like why did like how did society allow them or kind of like you know help, like make it permissible for like to commit this act so yeah Right. Well, and and like you kind of just said, you know, talking about the focus is always on the victim of the crime or the person who was hurt um, and kind of finding reasons to say why this person was at fault or what they did for it to happen. And I think that's just um, a kind of a symptom or something that happens when rape culture exists, because in a rape culture, we believe that people are entitled to sex whenever they want it. It's like that um, that entitlement and power and control that is underlying of sexual violence. And so by saying, oh, it's the victim's fault or the person who was hurt and their fault, um, instead of putting the ownership or accountability on the person who caused the harm, you're essentially saying it's okay for people to be entitled to sex when they want it without another person's consent, right? So that's kind of like the underlying message there. If we just focus all our attention on the person who was hurt, then we're not holding that other person accountable, which makes it easier for people to accept sexual violence. Definitely. And I'm sorry, this is kind of late. Um into the episode because I forgot to mention this earlier but some of these topics might be triggering for some people so definitely Mm -hmm. like you know feel free to take a step back or not listen to this episode feel free to skip it I'm just putting out a trigger warning there 
I'm sorry that it's like a little few minutes late, but anyway, so yeah, we were talking about victim blaming, and I feel like a lot of times with victim blaming comes this like element of heteronormativity, where it's like kind of, you know, the whole phrase of like, oh, boys will be boys, and like, oh, like, what was she wearing, and I feel like it kind of transitions into the whole idea of like, even like, I feel like a huge part of rape culture in our society is like heteronormativity, and how we don't often think, talk about like you know like male rape survivors or stuff like that and how there's just this you know or understanding that trans trans individuals experience sexual violence at higher rates than cisgendered individuals or even Mm -hmm. like just like across the lgbtq community the rates of sexual violence are much higher and i think that that's something we also need to recognize and see that how those play out and how those connect to how different you know in the same vein of like lgbtq communities experiencing more sexual violence so do bipoc communities so we see just in general across demographics marginalized identities are facing more sexual violence um you know than just like those who aren't part of those demographics and you know Lindsay, if you could speak on that a little bit more that would be great yeah, I'd love to. I think, again, it's coming back to the root cause of, of the sexual violence, right, which is it's power and control over other people. And um, that sexual violence is ultimately a tool of oppression of other communities. So one thing we see so often when we're working um, in the field of sexual violence is that there's almost always some sort of power dynamic between the person who uh, caused the harm and the person who was hurt. Um, and so I think, yeah, that mostly comes out into seeing that, uh, folks of color and trans folks and non-binary folks and, uh, disabled individuals and all, like all, a lot of different groups are more likely to experience sexual violence. And that's again, because that the core reasoning for sexual violence is, uh, the same as it is for oppression, which is, I want power and control. I'm entitled to what I want, regardless of what you want, right? Um, so we see that, that that dichotomy come out where how come there are so many people who are marginalized also experiencing this form of harm? And it's because it's the same tool, oppression and sexual violence. It's all one form of harm, um, ultimately, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty big. It's big stuff. No, yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, just talk like thinking about like how different demographics um are experience rape culture in different ways is also like mm-hmm. another way is that just like the resources available to like marginalized demographics and you know the help available to them, how law enforcement treats these demographics differently than like white cisgender um straight demographics is also so important to think about um just like the difference between a person of color or like a person who's from the lgbtq community that kind of reporting a sexual violence case kind of seeking out these resources in their communities and the barriers that they face is much different than if like a white cisgender straight person was trying to do so and of course that isn't to invalidate the experiences of white cisgender straight survivors but just to kind of inspect how our society places these barriers when there's like survivors from different demographics. Totally. Well, and it's a cycle, right? So, um, you know, the, maybe those systems like law enforcement or even like medical systems or all these different places will maybe not take, uh, 
people of color's uh, story seriously when they re- maybe report sexual violence or um, other communities, mar- marginalized communities as well. Um, and our community hears that. That is then said in our culture, like, oh, these people are not trustworthy or these people are not credible or seen as credible. And in some ways that makes them once again vulnerable to experience sexual violence. Because if you are a person who wants to commit harm against somebody, wouldn't you choose the person who isn't believed in our society, right? You would choose the person who, if they were to report and call you out and uh, try and essentially tell on you, right, um, you, they wouldn't be believed and you would get away with it. And so it just perpetuates more harm when we don't believe people um, of all different backgrounds when they come forward with sexual violence, because that puts us all more at risk for experiencing sexual violence in the future. Yeah, definitely. And I wanted to kind of touch on the point that you spoke about on getting away with it. Um, And I just wanted to, you know, we try to keep away from like being super education and lecturing on this podcast and more conversational. Mm -hmm. But I still wanted to bring up this like quick statistic to kind of like emphasize like the reality of this. Um, So this statistic is from RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, Incest National Network. Um, It's a great resource to kind of learn more about this topic or seek out any like other resources. And anyways, this statistic says that out of every thousand sexual assaults, 975 perpetrators will walk free. And so I think that that kind of statistics really highlights how this rape culture in our society really allows like abusers and perpetrators to walk free, you know, whatever technicalities it may be or whatever, not even technicalities, but just like people getting let off is just so common. We see it with pretty much every case. Like when there is like a rape, like sexual violence gets blown up in the media, like we all have that fear in our minds that they're more likely going to be let off than be like incarcerated or, or be like, um, you know, like sentenced, mm-hmm. given a sentence. And so I think that's like so real in our society. And I think that's definitely something we need to be talking about how our society just makes like enables perpetrators. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, just that's another important part. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, I think kind of related to that, too, is that, you know, these systems fail us in many ways, right? Like, we're not seeing that justice come out through the criminal just justice system and often not the civil justice system. Um, and so I think people are really looking for a way to hold people accountable in their own lives, in their own communities, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, what happens if you find out this friend of a friend is um, accused of sexual assault? What do you do in this situation? And I think um, one thing we may be tempted to do is uh, definitely try and, uh, I think, target that person um, and then not provide systems for them to like try and get better, try and be different. But honestly, a lot of us don't have the tools to do that. That's hard work. I don't I don't know how to change a person's behavior necessarily all of the time either. And so um, it's hard work because now um, because of the rape culture in our that is entrenched in our criminal justice system, um, we're having to try and figure it out on our own. And that is that is tough work, you know. So um, I think on the other hand, we do have an obligation to try and uh, change the narrative. Right. Because when we tell people 
you've done this bad thing and that's all you're I'm ever going to see you as, or you've done this harm and you can't ever be forgiven or, or get past this. Um, I think that can also kind of continue a cycle of rape culture in some ways because it labels a person as harmful and they're always going to be that way. We know that that's not true are able, capable of changing. Um, but it's hard work, you know, and it would be great if we had more systems in place to help people instead of uh, re restarting the cycle again. Um, yeah. Yeah, I really agree with you about the cycle thing. Um, and I just a little bit of like background on myself as an advocate in this area and uh, not to be braggy, but just some context as to why I'm talking about this. Sexual violence advocacy was really the reason I got into any of this. Like sexual violence advocacy was the reason I joined the Planned Parenthood Teen Council because um, I knew that they used to teach like consent in high school classrooms. And so this podcast would have never existed without my passion for like sexual violence advocacy. Like this is how it all really started. Like even my interest in sex and sexuality all started from that advocacy. Um, and so one of my main beliefs has always been like on the education aspect because I've always like believed that like to really end sexual violence in our society, we need to focus on education because to really end sexual violence, it should never happen. You know, so it's one mm. thing that if like sexual violence is happening in our society, it's one thing to be like, yes, let's put these rapists in jail. But it's another thing to recognize that, well, yes, they will go to jail, but there are still survivors out there who are hurting and trying to heal. So what would be really ideal is that if this just didn't have to happen at all. Um, and so I think like that's why the consent education part is so important when we think about this um and that's also one of the things that's lacking you know i did I, i've done a lot of research on this because um i've given some like talks on this and so there are only eight states out of 50 states in the united states that mandate consent education oregon is one of them so we're lucky we actually have the best consent education in the whole nation but I still think it could be better, obviously. There's always scope for improvement. But I think it's so horrific that we have, like, less than a... Is that less than a tenth? Less than a fifth. Less than a fifth of our country is receiving proper sex education. And I think that's just so horrific. A lot of states just don't have that consent education. And so how do we really expect people to grow up knowing what boundaries are, knowing what healthy sex looks like, knowing what consent looks like, you know? So I think that education is one of the things we really need to focus on. And I'm sure Lindsay can speak on this more, especially since he is like the education director. Yeah, Um so I think, you know, education definitely is a big part of it. And it needs to come early enough where, like you said, we could prevent sexual violence from happening in the first place. Right. That would be the goal. Um, and so I the thing is, I do think people are getting education around sexuality. It's just unhealthy education. Yeah. Right. From our media or from like pornography um, or a lot of different sources. And that kind of like <laughs> the education on the unhealthy stuff again is kind of perpetuating rape culture. It's perpetuating this idea that, Oh, you're entitled to sex whenever you want it. Um, it's okay to use power and control to get what you want um, and, and harmful techniques. So it's like, 
Um, I think what people are afraid of is if we talk about this stuff, people are going to have sex more all the time or something, or they're not going to know what to do um, if we encourage this kind of behavior. But the truth is that people are going to learn it all- on their own. Anyway, young people, um, you know, I know I, when I was growing up, that's totally true. I had to find whatever I could to learn about sexuality. And that's true of all of us, right, in so many ways. And it's so if we provided people consent education and um, just general sexuality, good, healthy sexuality education, um, we'd, they'd probably be better off, right, um, and be able to kind of end that cycle of sexual violence perpetration in that way. Um, that would be the goal. That's the ultimate prevention method right there, for sure. Yeah, and you kind of touched upon, like, the whole media and porn thing, and that is one of, like, our subtopics for today so we can kind of transition to that and i think that's so accurate i think that for young people porn does become one of the main resources um especially when the education system fails to address all of their questions or all of their like thoughts you know um lindsay mentioned how like people are scared that if like you know, we talk about consent, people are going to have sex. And that is actually the reality of the situation. A lot of states in the country have abstinence-based sex education. And so when it's abstinence-based, they're just talking about, like, don't have sex. So when they're talking about that, they just don't talk about consent because they're like, well, why do you need to know about consent? You're not going to have sex. Um, which is, again, terrible because you should know about consent regardless. Consent really goes beyond sex. Consent is about a lot of things. Um just healthy relationships in general but yeah and so like when we see so much abstinence education and so much like misinformation around healthy sex and sexuality a lot of people resort to porn or just get you know internalize the messages that our media is telling us uh you know and obviously one of the main things with stuff like porn is consent is never there never present you know like it's like assumed or not even assumed it just kind of like happens and there's like no talking there's nothing healthy about that whatsoever it's a very unrealistic portrayal of um sex and i'm not saying like watching porn is bad to each their own but that should not be like your main image of what sex looks like in reality because it's not it's just unrealistic and that should definitely not be any education material um you know, it is, it is for a lot of people. And I would like to validate that because our society is failing us in that regard. But ideally, that should just not be the education material that we're resorting to. And so yeah, like, you know, just like even in porn, um, and we're doing an episode on porn culture, our podcast will be doing an episode on porn, porn culture. So we'll obviously be talking more about that. But like, we see so much like abuse in porn, you know, not only in the industry, but in the content itself, like the way um, the people involved, especially the women are treated or just like, you know, how it all kind of like folds out is kind of like so violent and so aggressive. Um, and those are the messages that are being internalized. But I would also like to mention that it's not just porn. Media in general, like the most like PG-13 movies will be sending across messages that are like core of rape culture. Like if you think about like romance or like romantic comedies in like the 90s and early 2000s all of them like have this kind of trope of like guy chasing girl girl being like hesitant of like oh i don't like really want to but like you know like that chasing like so many movies have those tropes and even today 
in 2021, movies will come out that have tropes of, like, non-consensual sex, and they won't call it rape, they'll just be like, oh, like, this happened, ha ha ha, funny, you know, or whatever, and so I think, like, even in the media, it's, like, really important to kind of be aware of what media we're consuming, because a lot of those movies just kind of don't show consent whatsoever, show, like, a power power play, um, and yeah, I'm sure, like, Lindsay can speak on it more. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I think uh, it's not even just those like overt moments of sexual violence, right? Um, Like physical sexual violence that may be depicted in media, but it could be just jokes. Um, Those are pretty common to hear in movies that like are, you know, jokes about, oh, well, she asked for it kind of situations or something like that, or just small comments uh, or like sexualization of people without their uh, consent as well is really common still in our media. Do I think it's gotten better? For sure. I definitely think our media has gotten better, whether it's books or movies or TV shows. However, you know, we always have room to improve. And I think um, one thing that we see now um, as well is that while diversity is being brought into our media, which is wonderful, um, it can sometimes fall into those tropes of different marginalized identities, right? And so um, in that way, we'll sometimes hear those same jokes or those same oppressive comments. And it's, again, kind of setting up this like power uh, differential and sometimes can kind of take that like sexualization or like sexual violence tone to it in some ways without even realizing it. I think particularly women of color are sexualized uh, frequently in our media um, and without their consent. It's kind of seen as a trope, right? Um, And that's true of a lot of different backgrounds, but I think particularly of like black women um, experiencing that sexualization in media. And so... Even it doesn't have to be an overt act of sexual assault that we see in this in our stuff, um, but it could be these little messages that we're hearing. And when we hear it over and over and over again, it's going to be like without a thought, we believe it as well. And so if those like same oppressive messages are being told in our media so subtly, we're going to maybe also believe those oppressive messages. And once again, not blaming anybody because that's true of all of us, because we've all been a part of this culture um in some way and taken in this media so no shame about that we all have stuff that we need to like unpack right definitely and yeah like you know we're gonna i i want to talk more about like the sexualization of young women in media but i also wanted to mention something i saw recently that really disturbed me and again a trigger Mm -hmm. warning because i am going to be describing a scene that i saw in a movie well not in vivid detail just kind of like giving y'all the gist so again trigger warning but i was watching this movie the other day you know i was wanting to watch like a fun romantic comedy um and it was called vacation friends and the reason i'm bringing this up is because it was really released in 2021 it was released like a couple months ago um Mm -hmm. and it's like um just for context i guess it was like about like these two couples that meet meet each other on vacation and kind of like have a crazy time whatever and in one of the scenes they're like um well they're like doing drugs and like you know so one of the male characters um is kind of like unconscious like kind of just not in the right mind and then one of the female characters, like, part of the other couple, not his wife, but, like, the the wife of the other man, since there's two couples, you know, there's this, like, scene where, like, basically, she's just, like, on top of him, and he's, like, wait, what? Because, like, he's, like, high, and he's, like, not sure what's going on, and she just goes, shh, 
and the scene cuts out, you know? And so I, I, as soon as I watched that, I felt like puking and I shut down the movie and I was like looking up articles, like vacation friends rape scene. And I was like, how is this happening in 2021? You know? And it was mm-hmm. with actors like uh, John Cena and like, you know, like, um, Yvonne Orgy and stuff who I thought were like better than this but and so I saw that and I was like truly horrified because again this movie was made in 2021 and I don't know why they thought it was okay you know some of the articles I read mentioned that like maybe they thought it was okay because it was like a woman assaulting a man which obviously is not okay but that movie really horrified me and it really made me so sad that it was made in 2021 because I thought we were past making such content um, but yeah, I think that just goes to show how those tropes are still present in our society to this age. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was just something I wanted to share. Yeah, and it, it takes time to to undo those messages, you know, like and to to create different media. Um, so it it's like a power struggle, kind of working its way up in some ways that we may know that these messages are unhealthy, but the folks at the top who are making those movies may still be fully entrenched in these power, like the power uh, and control of the situation and hold this like oppressive uh, mindset, right? It takes time to overturn it, which is like frustrating, which is why I think mobilization around this issue is so valuable because if we tell people directly, hey, this is not okay, I don't want to see these messages in my media, then we're shutting it down, right? We're going directly to the source in some ways Um, because we can't always just trust people to like learn and wait, you know, for for people to learn. Um, We got to just like call it out when we see it sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And so I just wanted to share that, but I want to also transition back to like the sexualization of young women. Again, this is probably something we'll talk about in upcoming episodes, especially like the porn culture one. So this will be like a recurring topic, but I just wanted to check, uh, you know, touch upon it. Lindsay already mentioned, especially like the sexualization of like young women of color. But I think like, in the media, one of the most pervasive aspects of rape culture is, like, the sexualization of young women and just, like, the way, like, men in media talk about, like, women's bodies, you know? Just, like, really honing in on that, like, male gaze and the objectification of young women and them being turned out to be nothing more than their bodies in just, like, these, like, objects, truly. And so, you know, I don't think I need to tell anyone that. I think we all know that, you know, that that is something that, like, happens in our society. Um, at least I know that, like, us, the, who those of us who identify as women have probably even experienced that in our, like, lives that ourselves. And so I think that's just, like, another very pervasive part of our, like, of, like, the rape culture. Um, and none of, none, like, specific examples are coming up to me. But just, like, in general, you know, like, there are just, like, movies that are based on the objectification of women. One example that comes up to me is, like, Hall Pass, where I don't know if, like, anyone's watched it or knows of it but it's like these two married men whose wives like kind of give them a hall pass to kind of go and have affairs with like whatever women they want to and that is you know I happened to watch it one day and it is just the most objectifying movie of all time um and like the whole plot is based on the objectification of women and the idea that like oh men need to have so much sex and stuff like that And so, yeah, I think, like, just, like, the sexualization of young women is, like, another um, big aspect of rape culture. And, again, like I mentioned, we will touch upon this um, in later episodes as well. But, yeah, 
Yeah, for sure. I think that, um, so you talk about another like oppressed kind of uh, group, right? Which is like age. I think of that all of the time um, in our, the, the way we talk about sexuality. Um, I think we uh, definitely um, hurt young people um, in our culture by creating these messages of um I don't know, prioritizing youngness and youth. Um, and like we see it in the media and pornography. And honestly, it's just kind of like gross, right? Because we know like, sure, legally, uh, <laughs> there are some statutes around like um, what what sex is allowed at what age and what's not. Um, and yet we have like all these societal norms that say otherwise, that really like say, oh, having someone who is young is best, especially for, for women. And so um, I'm glad you brought that one up because I think about um, just how much rape culture also functions with that age group. We see that folks between the ages of 18 to 24 are at some of the highest risk for sexual violence. And then, of course, people uh, younger than 18 as well. And I think that's because of that power, power dynamic that we talked a little bit about earlier, where it's like, you know, here's an adult who understands um, a relationship dynamic and understands um, a little bit more about how to manipulate or force someone into something. Um, and here's this young person trying to figure that out and yeah. really not having the ability to have like to say no, which is a big thing that we talk about at SARC um, that consent is a yes, right? We yeah. are looking for the yes, but you have to have the ability to say no. Yeah. So if you, you are feeling forced or manipulated, that doesn't, that doesn't count in some ways, even if you say yes, because you didn't have the option. You didn't feel safe. You didn't feel comfortable saying no in that moment. And so that's not consent, right? And I think that happens a ton with young folks. So just that's a perfect example, Arna, of like, here's our culture enabling sexual violence against this group directly by having these messages that are sexualizing young women, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I also wanted to um, touch upon kind of like moving to a different topic but, mm -hmm. you know, when we talk about, like, rape culture and how much, like, our media makes it, like, okay and portrays it, at the same time, when it comes to actually talking about rape, there's so much stigma, you know? When, like, rape mm -hmm. is seen as a joke or a trope or a plot point in a movie, oh, yes, it's funny. But when we actually, mm. when it comes to actually talking about the issue and how it affects people, there's just so much stigma in our society. Like, um, you know, like, like I, I know people who would, like, just be scared of saying the word rape, you know? Like, I, if I, like, since I was, like, got into advocacy surrounding sexual violence earlier on, you know, I would say the word rape, and people around me would be like, wait, why did you just say that? Um, and, like, yes, people should think rape is a bad thing, and people should, like, you know, be horrified by it, but not talking about it and treating it as this taboo topic is not helpful. It's not useful to any of us what we need to be doing is addressing it um because you know rape isn't like some far away reality it's something that happens so very often and that is just so hor horrifying you know like when i was younger i thought rape was like this far away reality like this like thing that was like so horrific but like oh like you know like 
it's other people, I don't need to worry about it. But then as I got into like high school, I realized, nope, I definitely do need to worry about this. And so I think that stigma surrounding rape is also a very big part of rape culture. Because it just like stops us from talking about the actual issue and rather just like going around in circles when really what we need to be talking about is how pervasive this issue is in our society. Right. Well, and I also think about, you know, the stigma around what sexual violence looks like. You know, in some ways we may like gatekeep in uh, the the term sexual violence and what that means. And the truth is that I think any behavior or um, whether that's physical behavior or words like verbal behavior um, that is sexual, that happens to someone without their consent can be labeled as, as sexual violence. And so if we have this um, stigma, I think one way to kind of break down that stigma around sexual violence is to open your mind to what that looks like. And I think that means realizing that more of us have experienced some form of sexual violence than we probably even know. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I think that's going to be a key part for our culture to to embrace in order to to kind of take down this rape culture, um, because it, rape culture wants you to think this only happens to certain people who um, really put themselves in bad situations. Yeah. Um, and that's not at all true. No. That's not at all true. So um, if we can kind of all embrace that harm has happened to a lot of us and um many of us maybe even committed harm in some ways, um, then we can start to really address it and see that it is a larger cultural issue. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah, thank you so much for those points. Um, we're going to move towards like wrapping up this episode, but I wanted, like, one of the last topics I wanted to talk about is how can we dismantle rape culture? You know, like we've talked yeah. so much about what rape culture is, how it affects people, but this is something that we can combat and this is something we can dismantle. And so I kind of wanted to talk just a little bit about that. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a very important part of sexual violence advocacy is dismantling rape culture because rape culture is something that affects all of us, regardless of like our identity, our experience, it affects all of us. And so I think like all of us have a role in dismantling rape culture. And, you know, we talked so much about media. So one of like the main ways to dismantle rape culture is to be aware of the media you're consuming and how it may be shaping your views around sex and sexuality and, you know, boycotting that media, like all of us collectively. Another huge part of dismantling rape culture is believing and centering survivors in positive ways, you know, like just believing them right off the bat and making mm -hmm. sure that whatever conversations are happening are not are not villainizing them or like blaming them is so important. Um because I believe, and uh, Lindsay, fact check me on this if I'm wrong, but I believe the statistic is that like less than 2% of like rape cases are false. So, yeah. you know, like it's just not like, please believe survivors. Like, I think that's one of the main things is that the disbelief of survivors, especially since perpetrators are often people in power, because that's how rape works. It's a power play. And so we mm -hmm. have like 
perpetrators who are in like positions of power and so people will be like oh you know these people are like pushing forward rape allegations so that they can like kind of get fame out of this no no one wants to be scrutinized by the media the way sexual mm-hmm. violence survivors are no no one wants to sign up for that it's not fair we have seen it's not fun we have seen how our media and how our society just breaks apart survivors like there is no reason why someone would just do that for like just as a joke so please believe survivors and really like work towards helping and supporting survivors in your life you know like learn how can you support survivors um because the truth is yeah people in power men in power men who we may have or, or just even people sorry i keep saying men but just like people we idolize can in fact be perpetrators and they are most likely to get away with it because of like their fan base or their fame or their like accolades but that should not be okay so it's like super important to believe survivors and i in the mm-hmm. same way i think it's like very important to take an intersectional approach to dismantling rape culture um we talked a lot about how rape culture affects like different demographics differently based on like race, sexuality, and also like class, um, you know, like socioeconomic status and stuff like that. And so really having a very intersectional approach to thinking about like how does rape culture affect different demographics is super important in dismantling it. Um, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arna, you laid out some some great ones, and I think um, those are all fantastic. And I think my my biggest uh, encouragement would be, you know, you don't have to always be uh, talking about sexual violence. You don't always have to be out there. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, talking about this issue or having to uh, intervene in sexual violence. I think sometimes we think, oh man, I'll be a bystander and stop the situation before it happens. And unfortunately, that's just not how this form of harm works. But there are so many ways that um, sexual violence gets encouraged in our culture and you are way more equipped to um, intervene in those systems. And so like, I think any oppressive system that you see, even if it's not directly related to sexual violence, um, systems that oppress people of color, uh, people um, who are LGBTQ, um, disabled folks, um, whatever that may be, uh, addressing those oppressive systems is a big part to also dismantling rape culture because it is all interconnected. And so um, I think, you know, maybe it's those moments when you do hear about sexual violence talked about and you can have a positive impact. That's great um, as well. And and spreading that education because it's not like this education just happens in class or something like that. It's happening when we're talking with our friends, our family, stuff like that. So having those conversations when they come up and then ultimately taking steps to dismantle oppressive systems that we see that make people more vulnerable um, and ultimately lead to folks experiencing sexual violence. So, um, but you, you had great ones as well. It's so awesome. Yeah, and I think, like, when we talk about allyship and, like, how allies can help, 
in dismantling like rape culture it's super important to just hold those around us accountable like if someone around you is making a rape joke be like hey that is completely not okay you know or just holding people accountable in other veins holding ourselves accountable for what media we're consuming who we're supporting like if we're supporting artists who have been like like you know who have um who survivors have come forth and accused them of rape, please don't support them, you know? Or just even starting conversations. Like we talked about stigma is a huge part of rape culture. So just talking about these topics more is a huge, like, great way to dismantle rape culture. And I feel like it's one of the best ways. Um, And also just, you know, supporting survivors in your community, believing survivors is super important. Mm -hmm. And just kind of spreading awareness about these issues, I feel like we can all do, especially with social media, conversations can be had so much more easily surrounding like rape culture and sexual violence advocacy so it's super important that we do that yeah yeah so um yeah so i'm sure that like these topics will come up more in future episodes um and if any of y'all have any questions or if you want want us to elaborate on any of these like subtopics we totally can but this is definitely like some of the subtopics we'll be talking about more in future episodes but we're gonna wrap up this episode for now um Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're just going to do a quick checkout. So as always, our checkout is like media we've been consuming. So I'll start off. I watched yep. this Spider-Man movie yesterday, which was super good. I've, I'm like a huge Marvel girl. And so and I think this is the best movie thus far in phase four. So like really loved it. Um, if you're like a Marvel person, would super recommend you watch it or just like anyone really. Um but yeah definitely watch it and then i've been reading this like books by this new author she's called tana french i believe she's irish and she writes like a lot of like murder uh lindsay's clapping on the screen so i assume he's read the books but um she writes like a lot of like murder mystery novels and i'm like reading my second one from her i read the secret place and i'm currently reading trespasser um and so super enjoying that those are some of the books i'm reading right now um and yeah i think that's my media for today Lindsay, what about you yeah well like you said i'm clapping at tana french because i love tana french she's one of my favorite uh writers to read um definitely like her second book uh i don't remember the name of it but it's somewhere on this this bookshelf um (laughs) so um yeah for me i also watched the spider-man movie it was interesting it was fun um and then one show i know that i've watched recently has been um, made which is kind of heavy so i wouldn't recommend watching it unless you feel like prepared to maybe like deal with heavy stuff and violence and a little bit um, made is about a domestic violence survivor um but honestly it's told in such a real and powerful way like it's just so realistic and um i really love the main character in in that show so it's like a a limited show i think it's just a season one season of it it's pretty short i think on netflix and really enjoyed that it's heavy but super recommend um and then when you you know want to chill watch spider-man because spider-man was just a 
for fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of disagree with that. I definitely bawled my eyes at Spider-Man at certain parts. So, but it was still True. a very fun movie. I've heard about Made. I haven't watched it, but I've definitely heard about it. So yeah, those yeah. are our media recs for today. Lindsay, it was so great having you on. Thank you so much for your time. Um and yeah, this is all for this episode, but we'll be back again. So, thank you all for listening and stay dirty.